Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. This took place when I was 14 years old, camping in a little area of land in western Maryland where lots of my mom's family had little cabins. This was in the middle of nowhere on private property and everyone on the mountain was related to us one way or another. We grew up spending the summers around the campfire telling scary stories, and running around with all of my cousins. Quick explanation of the layout. Imagine a large capital T for a road. Above the T, by 150 feet, ran Savage River. If you went left on the T, it would take you past multiple family houses, but also dense forests that cut off the road. If you went all the way to the right of the T, was my mom's tiny little cabin, where we lived. I often went off on my own, preferring it that way. I was about to do just that when my aunt had asked to tag along. She was 14 years older than I am. She had pink hair at the time, was covered in tattoos, and was almost six feet tall, so not an easily intimidated woman. So I had decided that we would go all the way to the left of the dense forest and she was cool with that, admitting that she would come with me so she could smoke a joint and keep out of eyesight of my disapproving grandmother. Now, I was a good kid, and even though she offered me a hit off the joint, drugs scared the hell out of me, so I declined. From the end of the road was a super rough dirt path into the woods, with the river still running 150 feet above the path. If you were to walk towards the river, it goes on a downward slope. A few miles in, you would actually come across one of those legendary, random staircases that lead to nowhere. On this particular day, I had taken the dirt path and had walked down the 150 feet along the river, watching the fish and crawdads scurry by as my aunt got high as a kite a little bit behind me. I was in my own little world when I suddenly heard a click noise that brought me back to reality. I looked up and around, confused. Then my eyes landed on some man that I had never seen before, standing across the river, no more than 15 feet away. He must have just walked out of the woods on the other side of the river. It's summer, but he was wearing a black jacket and raggedy old jeans and was holding one of those old cheap non-digital yellow cameras that you would roll the top and it would click to be able to take another picture. I was stunned because I had never seen anyone other than my family anywhere around the area in all the years that I had been going up there. The man smiled at me and then slightly lowered his camera. He was older, probably forties and very scruffy, tall, and thin. He took a step forward, and I in turn took a step back. He scrolled the top of the camera 
and points it directly at me. I am literally at a loss of words and can only manage to take another step back, almost slipping on a rock as I do. That's when my aunt stumbles through the trees and is in mid-sentence about how she missed being high when she stopped and saw the man, frozen like a deer in headlights. I slowly turned, and he's not looking at my aunt. He's staring at me. He clicks the camera again, and then he does something that makes my blood run cold and turns the situation from weird to terrifying. He brings his finger up to his throat and does that slicing motion. That's the moment that I went into autopilot. I spun around and began barreling through the trees, grabbing onto my aunt. My heart pounded as I ran, though I could have sworn I heard one more click before I could hear the splashing from behind me. I almost collapsed because my legs felt like jelly. The river is really deep in parts, but where I had been, we were at a point where the water would have been only thigh deep to a grown man. I tore upwards and ran blindly, like a rabbit from a fox. We saw the stairs, and my aunt quickly yanked me to the other side and slid down beside me as we caught our breath. I was wheezing so loud that I had to cover my mouth to muffle the sound. I peered around, but the trees are so dense that I can't see the river from the stairs. But even with my hammering heartbeat, I hear the snapping of branches, like someone barreling through the forest. Now, I am very scared. It's not an easy straight trail back into my family property. You have to weave around, and in spots, it dips and gets rocky, so you have to do like an S-shape to get through. There's random rocks everywhere, and it would have been so easy to twist an ankle in my panic. Not to mention that we always treaded carefully and looked where we were going, because there's so many snakes in that area. I'm sobbing and wheezing badly, and we had another few miles until we would even hit the first part of my family property. My mind is racing, but I know that we can't stay. Neither of us had any type of weapon, and staying here was making it harder for me to convince myself to run as paralyzing terror crept in. My legs and arms are already cut up, and before I can decide what to do, my aunt pulls me towards the T road, desperately, just stumbling and running. I don't make it more than another mile until I misstep and trip over a branch, tripping and smacking headfirst into a tree. I crumple over and taste blood. During the fall, I had bit my lip. I'm dazed, but my adrenaline is still pumping, so I scramble to a tree as my aunt turns and notices that I'm not right behind her. She scrambles back and drops to her knees in front of me, whispering. I'm dazed, but she keeps repeating that we need to keep moving. I'm shaking so bad that I don't think I can walk, much less run. I have probably another mile and a half until I'm on my family's property, but another two until we're at an occupied cabin, my grandmother's. My ears are ringing, and I'm hardly paying attention to my aunt's frantic pleas. I completely psych myself out again and keep looking behind me, but I don't see anything. She decides that she's not going to waste any more time because of stupid me, and half drags me up and forward. 
I hobble forward as quick as I can as she continues to pull me. The rest is a blur until we break through the woods. Most of my family wasn't there at the time, so we only stop when we make it to my grandmother's, and I just run inside sobbing. No one locks their doors around there, and my grandmother takes one horrified look at me and my aunt, who is equally cut up and scared looking, and yells for my grandfather, who promptly takes over and grabs his rifle. I can't put into sentences what just happened to my aunt. My grandfather and grandmother go cabin to cabin gathering the men and their guns, as well as warning the women and children about what just occurred. There's no signal up there, so calling the sheriff wasn't an option, and to get up to the mountain if they left immediately would take over an hour. It's getting dark, and the roads leading up to the property are so windy and steep that you would have to be out of your mind to try and drive up them in the dark. My mother eventually got word and came over. She took one look at my aunt and said that I probably just got high with her, which in turn made us overly paranoid, and we saw the random fisherman who was trespassing. We jumped to conclusions and had probably startled him as much as he had startled us. She continued by saying I probably just imagined he was taking my picture, or that he had begun chasing us. My aunt stood up and yelled at my mother, saying that I was a good kid and didn't do anything, and that we were telling the truth. They began screaming at each other, and my grandmother made them both stop, telling them to grow up. Even with the men of my family scouring the woods, they never saw any sign of the man that we encountered. Everyone on the mountain locked their doors that night, for the first time in a long time. And to this day, all I can wonder is if I'm a part of some weird, creepy picture collection. But considering what could have happened if I had been alone like normal, I can live with that. This story happened to me December of 2018. I am a recent Navy veteran and has seen and dealt with a lot of situations which made it to where I don't scare easily. Just some insight on me. I am now a 28-year-old male, athletic build, ready to take on the world since leaving the military. For this story, we'll say my name is Ron. I started working as a security guard in a Michigan mall, and I was loving my job and the people that I worked with. The night of the 23rd, I was scheduled to work my first overnight shift, which only consisted of one officer for eight or nine hours. I didn't think much of it, so I clock in for my shift at 10 p.m. and get everything ready for the night. My first walk around through the mall, I verify that all the doors are locked, make sure no one is in the mall, and I hit all my checkpoints. The night is running smooth. Around 2 a.m., I start making my way around the mall again to do another check. I'm making my way to center court, where we have our Santa set up, and as I round the corner I froze to what I can only describe as pure terror. About 30 feet from me, I can see a man wearing a Santa hat holding a machete. 
He had this evil look on his face like he was there to do one thing. To kill me. I froze. Sitting there, thinking about what I should do next. All I had was a radio and handcuffs. This man had a machete. I did not want to come into contact with him. But I knew there was a good chance that I could outrun him to the safety of my locked office. I knew all the shortcuts and back halls like the back of my hand. Then, an arcade game started playing music, which I guess caught the guy off guard, as he took his eyes off me for a second, and once he did, I made a run for it. As I'm running, I can hear him right behind me. Get back here. Not once did I stop. I ran and dodged around the corners and bounded through the halls as fast as I could. I make the final turn to the hallway that my office was in. I had one chance to type my lock code in the door, get in, and shut the door before he got to me. I finally made it to the door and can still hear him as he's now laughing, hysterically. I quickly and flawlessly punch my code in, jump into the office and slam the door shut behind me. Two seconds pass and the guy slams into the door. I am so glad that that door was reinforced. Suddenly the banging stops. I look to the monitor, and he is standing right in front of the door. Mr. Security Guard, let's make this fast. It will only hurt for a second. I'm freaked out at this point because his intentions are clear. It didn't occur to me right then to call the police. I don't know why. I decided to wait him out. An hour goes by and he still hasn't moved. I feel safe in the office. But eventually, people are going to start showing up to open shops. I have to do something. I finally called the police. They said that they had an officer right down the street. I was so thankful when I heard the siren and watched the man run outside. I watched him on the cameras as he ended up running right into two huge linebacker officers. He never stood a chance. After that night... I refused to work night shift and actually left that job two months later. But I will never forget that night or that voice. Mr. Security Guard. I was 17 years old working at a Best Buy near the mall. I had started at Sears and later transferred to Best Buy. I was still in high school at the time, so I would typically work from 4.30 to 9 or 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock. We closed at 9 o'clock, so I took whatever I could get. I worked in the appliance section, so my main job was working with customers to choose the correct appliance for them. One Wednesday, a normal shift began just like any other day during the week. It was dead. I hadn't sold a single thing all night. I planned on a nice, easy, last two hours. I'm just biding my time, watching the minutes tick by, when the bell on our door jingles. A man comes through, wearing a red hoodie and khaki pants. He started heading directly towards the appliances with his head down, but walking with determination. 
Oh, a customer, I thought to myself. He walked into the department right past me, with not the slightest bit of interest in his surroundings. I watched him as he walked past some stoves, and then moved over to the refrigerators. He was just strolling along, stopping every now and then to open a door or rub his hand along something. He started making his way into the area where I was keeping busy when he crossed into my five-foot radius. Five feet and greet. Five tile and smile. Basically meaning that if someone is five feet away, you smile at them and say hello, welcome to Best Buy. How can I help you? Is there something I can do for you? So that is what I did. I greeted him like I was supposed to. Just like I was taught to do. He looked in my direction and he smiled slightly and said that he was just browsing. So I continued with the project I was working on, waiting him out. I would occasionally glance in his direction to keep tabs on him, but my main focus was the clock and getting home. Suddenly, I realized an hour had passed since the man entered my department. This brought it to almost 8 o'clock, only one hour before closing, and time to finally go home. So I approached the man one more time, irritated, and slightly concerned now by his lingering. Again, there were no other customers in the store, and there were only a handful of employees left as well. He was still in the same area that he had been an hour prior. As I walked up to him, I once again asked, Are you sure there's nothing I can help you with? Are you looking for something specific? He looked up at me for the first time, and I met the eyes coming out front, beneath the hood. The next words out of his mouth made my blood run cold. He casually said, I am in here for you. This guy just told me that he was in here, in the store. For me? What the hell? This freaked me out. I had no idea who this man was. I had never seen him before. What was he doing here? What did he want me for? There is no logical explanation that I could think of. I am a 17-year-old girl. This is a grown man. So I obviously start backing away and decide to contact my manager immediately. So I put my hand over my earpiece and as calmly as I can, I manage to say, Hey, Brian, where are you? Scratch that. Can you come over here by me? Never mind, scratch that too. I'm coming to you. So I turn around without saying another word, moving as quickly as I can without actually running to go find Brian. I am eager to explain what the hell just happened to me. I located him fairly quickly and told him what occurred between the strange man that I had never seen before and myself. This definitely freaked him out too. He confessed that he had never had to deal with something like this before. He felt that the safest thing was for me to just go home. He didn't want to have to deal with an even worse situation by keeping me here. I didn't have a problem with this, of course, since I had a 30-minute drive ahead of me, back home anyway. I started walking towards the back to gather my things and head out. I started feeling slightly better, 
as I saw no sign of the man anywhere, so I headed toward the front of the store as I normally did, ready to get the hell out of there. As I headed to the door, and I very distinctly remember this final moment of peace, as I turned around one last time and saw Brian's neck erect scanning the store. We made eye contact and he nodded gently in my direction. I nodded back in agreement that the coast was clear and turned back around heading out the door towards the parking lot. I was about halfway to my car when my blood ran cold for the second time that night. Brian's voice came booming across the parking lot. Casey, run! I turn around to see what the hell was happening, and I shit you not, this man was coming for me. The loss prevention guy was standing in front of the store, trying to prevent this guy from getting out. The creeper shoves the loss prevention guy out of the way like it's nothing, smashing his head. This man is now hauling ass out the door, arms pumping. There was nothing anyone could do to help at this point. I turned around and started hauling ass to get as much distance between this psycho and myself. Thankfully, he is parked on the other side of the parking lot, so there is no way he could know what my car looks like. I mean, he could. I don't know what this crazy man knows or is thinking. But if he did, why didn't he park right next to me to begin with? I finally get back to my car and rip the door open. I shove the key in and burned rubber out of my spot like my life depended on it. At this point, I'm pretty sure it did. I tore through the parking lot. This asshole is right behind me in a big black truck. I pulled into the loop that circles the mall, trying to be as careful as possible to not make things worse. I keep up with the curves, taking them with ease, showing my familiarity, and I think that that was the thing that saved me that night. I watched as the truck struggled to keep up with the curves, and the distance between us grew. I was finally getting away from this lunatic. I felt my heartbeat starting to slow as I hit green lights. I took a deep breath as I cruised onto the highway, peering back into my rearview mirror. I sighed the biggest breath of relief as I realized I had finally lost him. I returned my eyes back to the road in front of me, trying to wrap my brain around what the hell just happened. I don't know that I will ever look at a big black truck the same ever again. You never know who is walking past you, or what their intentions are. What if I hadn't lost him when I did? What if he was parked right next to me? What if? Back in 2013, when my ex and myself first met, we would grab snacks, blankets, and pillows, load them into the bed of his white Chevy pickup truck, and drive until daylight. We lived in a very rural small town in Alberta. We lived roughly 45 minutes to an hour from the city. Being small town, bored, young adults, we had nothing better to do than drive late at night. 
We made it a game to find this movie television set that was near our small town. We would get lost on gravel roads, on our quest to hopefully stumble upon this set. Of course, being young and dumb, thought that it would be better to locate this set late at night, in hopes of not getting caught trespassing. We probably drove every back road searching and searching. One night, on our hunt, we drove through this gully, and it became dark. Like dark to the point that it was completely black. Our headlights flooded into nothingness. We always had the radio blasting off of our iPod. Suddenly, it was as if we picked up some kind of radio station that was just blaring gibberish. I go to reach the volume button to turn it down. It shocked me, as if I was touching pure electricity. Then, one voice came through. Hell. It echoed through the speakers. A few seconds passed and it went back to the song that we were listening to. To this day, we have no idea what our radio picked up. What's scary is this back road was very close to an astrophysical observatory. Was it something trying to communicate? Or just radio static? I found it kind of coincidental that the only word that came through was hell. I don't think I'll ever know, nor will I drive down that particular road ever again. This story happened around 2001 or 2002, an incident that had been long forgotten. At the time, I live in southern Ohio in a small town. We lived about 45 minutes outside of town, in the middle of nowhere, where seeing people on the roads or in the area was extremely rare. We had one neighbor about a quarter mile down the road to the right, and then a large Amish family who lived a few miles in the opposite direction. At the time, I was around 12 years old. I was outside in my football gear, taking the dog out to the bathroom and messing around in the yard, practicing for my game later that morning. Now, to describe the area more to help understand things better, we lived on a large farmland that we rented that sat on about 150 acres. On the road, the direction that would eventually lead you to the Amish family home was going up a small hill and about 100 yards that direction, the road made a sharp right turn into a heavily wooded area where you could not see the road or anything other than trees. With being such an empty area, you couldn't see much, but was so quiet that you could hear cars coming well before you actually saw them. This is a short story. The details I'm giving are to help explain why the situation bothers me so much now so please bear with me. As I'm outside, I look up the road to see a man hobbling down the road in our direction. He sees me and waves. I yell for my mom, as it's just me and her home at the time, and it was rare to see someone walking so far out in the middle of the road. As he gets closer, I can see that he seems to be in pain, and his clothes are rather worn and ripped up. My mom comes outside just about the time he gets to the house. He begins to tell her 
that he was just in an accident around the turn and needed help. My mom says that she will grab the phone and he can sit on the chair on the porch and rest. He asks to come in the house and tries to reassure her that there will be no problem. He's just in a lot of pain and wants to rest. My mom gets a look on her face and says that he cannot come in the house. She is not comfortable with that and that he can stay on the porch while she fetches the phone. He reluctantly does and my mom shoots me a glance that I took as keep an eye on him. At this time I was pretty young, but I had a bit of a growth spur early in life, and with being only 12, I was roughly 6 foot, pushing 300 pounds, and this man was about 5'10", and he was rather skinny. As she went inside, I'm looking at him. Though his clothes are torn and raggedy, it does not look that he was in an accident. There was also no blood, no cuts, not a single mark anywhere that I could see. He starts to ask if anyone was home as he starts looking through the door inside, kind of peeking around, and I say no, but that my dad would be home soon. My mom comes back out and tells him the cordless phone is dead, and she will use the old rotary phone that my dad refused to get rid of, and asks if he would like her to call 911 or any of his family. The man stands up and again asks to come inside. He starts walking to the door, and my mom tells him no, that he is not welcome to come in. He then asks if he can come in and use the bathroom, because he really needs to pee. Again, my mom says no, and he's welcome to go across the street to pee in the bushes. He then asks if he can come in to have some water. My mom says no again, and tells him that she will get him a glass of water. With a huff of frustration, my mom turns around to go get him the water. She returns with the glass of water and dad's shotgun and places it by the door on the inside of the house, not trying to hide it at all. And the man sees this, and I watch as his eyes become wide, and he starts to become fidgety. She comes out to hand him the glass and asks who she can call for him. The man stands up and says that he will be fine, and not to worry. He'll figure it out and walks away in the direction that he had come from. My mom watches him leave. I didn't really understand what was going on, and was actually worried that the man was not going to be okay. He said that he had flipped his car, and it eventually came to a stop against the trees. My mom said something was off, and asked if I had heard anything before he showed up. I said no, that things were silent as they always were, never even hearing a car coming. She stares for a few seconds, telling me to stay outside for a little longer, and to keep an eye out until Dad gets home, which should be any minute, and if the man comes back, that she left the shotgun by the door, and if I see him, to grab it and yell for her. I am confused at this point, but I tell her that I will as she goes inside. I watch as the man goes around the turn and disappears. About a minute later, my dad comes around that same turn and finally gets home. I go to him and tell him what just happened, and I only got a couple words in when my mom comes out and starts explaining it. After she was done, he asks what direction the guy came. She tells him which way, and he gets a confused look on his face. My mom asks what is it, 
and my dad begins to say that he had just came from that area and there was no man on the road and no vehicle anywhere. Nothing about this at all was normal. My mom got a worried look on her face and they go inside and that was the end of the situation for me. I have no idea what they talked about, if they called anyone or anything. I almost immediately forgot about it all and I was excited for my football and was ready to get going. I am almost 30 years old now and never thought of this until a couple of weeks ago when hearing a story which triggered my memory. I asked my dad if he remembered, but of course he didn't. He has a terrible memory, and it wasn't a situation that he was really a part of. My mom passed away a few years ago, so I don't have the chance to ask her about it. But thinking about it now, I can't help but wonder what was really going on. Why was he trying to get inside the house? Was he trying to rob us? Was he trying to hurt us? Or was the man telling the truth and became scared at the sight of the shotgun? And if he was being honest, where the hell did he go and why did my dad not see him? Where was the accident? It doesn't make sense to me and it has me thinking and trying to figure it out. Were we in danger or did we just scare the man who had just had a possibly deadly accident? I've always been a fan of horror stories and true crime, which is why it was so strange to have my own experience. So, a little background on me. I'm a 20-year-old male college student. I attend a local community college and live at home. My local area includes garbage pickup, but here's the problem. We have a really big piece of property. Our driveway is a good long walk from the house itself. We normally throw garbage into the garbage cans that are just outside of our house. And then on garbage days, I have to take the garbage cans all the way down near the road so the garbage man gets them. It's a little bit of an inconvenience, but it's not the end of the world. Some of my friends have to bring their own garbage to the local garbage dump, and I'm just happy that I don't have to put any of this trash in my car. If you're a college student, you probably understand the struggle of maintaining a healthy sleep schedule. If I'm going to be honest with you, I really don't have one. I kind of sleep when I'm tired, and I'm awake when I'm not. Sometimes I get my schoolwork done early in the morning, like 3 a.m., and sometimes it's in the afternoon after class. It really just depends. My horror story begins with me bringing down the garbage cans late one night. What almost always happens is that I don't remember to bring down the cans until the night before, at like 11 p.m., or sometimes even later. This means that I'm making multiple trips back and forth, carrying heavy garbage cans in the pitch black night. I mentioned that I like horror earlier, but I don't consider myself to be someone that's scared easily. The night where the darkness does not scare me very much. I've had a few experiences that will all hear a noise or imagine that I see something out of the corner of my eye, but it's never been anything horrible. I never imagined that I would have a bad experience 
carrying the garbage cans until this night. It was around 2 a.m., and I was moving a really heavy can of trash. It felt like it was at least 70 pounds, full of cat litter. Why, you might ask? My family has five cats. Don't ask. That wouldn't have been an issue, but all of this cat litter was in the worst trash can that we had. The wheels both fell off, and the handlebar rips off sometimes if you pull it too hard. So I was pulling this ridiculously heavy garbage can, full of cat litter, that stinks to the high heavens. I get about halfway down my driveway, and the handlebar rips off. The entire can fell over, and at least one-third of everything came out into the driveway. I cursed under my breath, and just stood there for a moment, wondering what I was going to do now. My best idea was to sweep it back into the trash can, so I started making my way back up the driveway. I didn't walk very far before something possessed me to stop and turn around. I had this strange feeling that I was being watched. I turned my head and saw a light coming from my neighbor's house, and all the time that I have been doing the garbage at night, I have never seen this neighbor up that late before. I was pretty sure it was an older man. He had to have been at least 60 years old. So it was kind of a surprise to see a light on in his house. It was on the second floor, maybe in his bedroom window. His house was on the other side of the road, and it was about 10 feet away from the road, so it was a good distance between me and him. I just remember feeling really freaked out that there was someone else awake and watching me. What possible reason could he have had for being awake at 2 in the morning? I stood there for a moment, wondering to myself. I was just kind of staring at the window. Again, there was a good bit of distance, and I couldn't see all too clearly. But I felt my heart drop when I saw him walk away from the window. I wasn't exactly sure, but the way he moved made me think that he was standing at his window watching me. I tried telling myself that he was just an old man, and that I must have woken him up or something dropping this garbage can. I got the broom, started sweeping the cat litter back into the can, and then brought it next to the road. I felt his eyes on me the rest of the night, even after he turned off his light. And that was the night everything changed. Every time I took the garbage can down after this point, I noticed him watching me. I even started mixing up the times when I would bring the garbage down, and it didn't matter if it was 2 p.m. or 2 a.m. He would always be there, watching. It was around this time that I also noticed that there must have been a different garbage man. The old guy used to get the garbage out of the can and throw the garbage can itself and the lid on the ground in a really sloppy way. I didn't really blame him. It must suck to be a garbage man. But I did appreciate that this new guy was making the effort to put the lid back on the garbage can neatly. It makes my life easier to just grab them and bring them back up to the house. This was a pleasant change, but it didn't calm my nerves one bit from being watched. I started getting really freaked out. I asked my parents about what I should do, and they told me that I was just being paranoid. That he was an older, retired gentleman and probably doesn't have anything better to do. 
if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care how bored or unoccupied someone's time is. I don't think there's a person on earth that would go out of their way to watch their neighbor take out the garbage if there wasn't some kind of reason for it. This went on for the rest of the summer and into the next semester. I started getting frustrated with the whole situation. It still made me feel really uneasy. I read about stalking laws to see if I could report him for something. I really couldn't do anything because he never actually left his own property. He just always happened to be around when I started moving the garbage. Fall break came around, and I decided that I was going to make a change. I was going to watch him instead. My bedroom just happened to be on the side of the house that I could see his house from my bedroom window. I found a pair of binoculars in the basement, and after bringing the garbage can down at 4 a.m. one night, I got situated next to the window and began watching this old man. He didn't turn out his bedroom light like usual, and it seemed like he was just sitting there. A half hour must have gone by before I started getting really sleepy. This guy was just sitting there doing nothing, watching the garbage. I was just about to go to bed when I noticed that he left his bedroom. I tried paying attention to any of the other lights turning on in his house, but he didn't seem to turn any of them on. I looked closely to notice any kind of changes. About 40 seconds went by, and I thought I had completely lost him. I didn't see him anywhere. I just concluded that he was some kind of schizophrenic freak, and that this was just a waste of my time. Before putting the binoculars down, I looked down at the garbage pail and noticed that they were gone. I got really confused for a minute and had no idea what was going on. I waited a few more minutes to see that the old man was carrying what looked like my garbage cans out in front of his own house. He placed them exactly where they had been before. I waited about 40 minutes for him to go to bed. I was only sure that he was asleep after the light in his bedroom went out. I rushed down to the garbage cans and was shocked when I noticed that they were completely empty. That was when it hit me. We never got a new garbage man. This guy started stealing our trash. He must be emptying out in his own house for whatever reason. This honestly really freaked me out. I had no idea what to do about it. I started driving the trash to the dump just to avoid having to bring those garbage cans down. A couple weeks of doing that, and I noticed that the old man seems to be less active around his own house. I don't know what he was trying to do, but it still freaks me out thinking about it to this day. As of late, I've seen a fair amount of posts from the perspective of criminals. These posts have inspired me to share a story about a scary incident I had as a kid, and how I became a better man because of it. Between 10 and 16, I spent more time inside of juvenile than I did in school. I had been born into a world of petty crime. All of those around me, including my own folks, had been in the penitentiary at least once, and I never really had known any other life. My friends and I had a little gang that we called the Breakers. 
As you can probably tell from the name, we specialized in burglary, and we thought that we were the princes of crime. Stupid and cringeworthy when you look back on it, but no one dared challenge the idea. Depending on the location and the size of the job, we often worked in two or three man teams. On one break-in in particular, we had received information from a girl that we knew very well that a family was going to be out of town for the weekend. From what the couple had told her, the husband was and had been for a long time an avid gun collector. Now, any crook you talk to can tell you guns are a good source of quick cash. So we did a short casing of the place and chose that weekend for the robbery. Unfortunately, the other two guys I was planning to work with got really sick and I was left alone to get as much as I could in the amount of time that we had allotted for the job. I had even considered going for a second night in a row, but circumstances you will soon see put that idea to rest. Two nights later, the moment had arrived to go in. I slipped in through the back sliding door, and the steady rainstorm that evening kept any nosy neighbors inside. The only thing I didn't know was the location of the guns. I figured a guy that serious about firearms would have at least one safe, so I kept my eyes open for one. One by one, I rummaged through each room I came to. No doors were closed, making it all the easier. Frankly, I was surprised at the lack of any real valuables and focused on the search for guns. Finally, I discovered an upright safe and to my great joy, found that it was unlocked. I was counting the money in my head, but that was as far as I would ever get. To my right, in the hallway, I heard a sound no burglar hopes to ever hear. The racking of a shotgun. I froze the second I realized what it was. Now I was counting my last few seconds alive, rather than the money. The racking was quickly followed by an older gentleman's voice saying, Stop right there, kid. If you move, I will kill you. I have no doubt that he would have, too. Look at me, son. I'm going to give you one chance. Someone did the same for me once and I'm going to do the same for you. However, if I see you again in this house, uninvited, you will not leave alive. I wasn't sure whether I was more terrified or shocked by what he said. As I stared into his weathered eyes, I got the feeling that he himself had seen his share of hard times as a kid and may have been in the exact same position I was now in at one point. Do you understand me? His words were crystal clear. The overwhelming feeling. I was being given an opportunity many in my trade were not given. It poured over me. I simply nodded at him, but was still too terrified to move, and he had to urge me to leave. Well, get the hell out of here. That was all I needed. I ran as fast as possible out of the house into my car down the block. The fear that he was about to shoot me in the back was there the entire time, but I had to take the chance. While I sat there in my car, I juggled the importance of the scene around in my head. 
I had just been handed a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I feared that if I had squandered it, my punishment for doing so might be terrible. Although I had never been a religious kid, and still ain't, for that matter, I knew that some higher power had to have just stepped in and handed me my life. I've never questioned who he was or what he was doing there. From that night forward, I resolved to change my life for the better. To be honest with you, it was a damn hard path to follow. When you know nothing other than doing bad, doing good is twice as hard. Those around me were in no way happy to hear my epiphany, and I got a lot of grief for it. I eventually realized that I was never going to achieve what I wanted if I stayed where I was. So I took the little bit of cash that I had saved and moved on. I drove halfway across the country, looking for a place that I liked, and finally landed in Colorado. The utter beauty of the place was unlike anywhere I had ever seen, and I've been here ever since. While I never became a wealthy man, I did find a legit way to make money and hope to retire in the next 10 years. If anyone is wondering why I'm sharing this, it's not because I want people to think that I'm a great guy for turning my back on crime. Actually, a lot of great fellows I knew were crooks, but most were lowlifes that wasted their lives in jail. My real purpose is to impress upon the younger members of the life that you can change your life for the better. Your past and upbringing don't dictate your future, and not every square citizen has written you off. If you want to turn your life around, do it, and if someone offers you a lifeline, take it. You will not regret it. Good luck to you all, and don't be afraid to believe in yourself.